Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 153 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. I am 100% thrilled you're here because today I am talking to Marianne Power, who I am basically in love with. She wrote this book called Help Me, and it is as if she wrote it for me. I will not go into deep, quelling, overcome, rapturous love right now. I'll do that with her on the air, but it's a book I really, really loved, and it was wonderful to talk to her, so you are definitely going to enjoy that. And in a little update, you may have noticed that if you watch this on YouTube or Facebook, number one, I'm not sure I'm going to continue those. I'm kind of thinking about discontinuing those. I'm not sure what I'm getting out of that. So if you really love it on YouTube or Facebook, uh, send me a note or something that lets me know that. Because by far and away, I get... 99% of my listens on podcaster, uh, podcaster, podcatcher feeds. So it's all audible. And also these new mini podcasts that I'm doing, the ones where I'm actually giving advice and answering questions is just an audio. So if you watch it on the video, you're missing those. So you may want to put this podcast into your favorite podcatcher feed. That is my point here. What else is going on? I am having a good time with the new book, I believe I told you all, even though I wasn't supposed to, that I sold the book to Penguin and it is now officially out. So um, you could tell all your friends that you were keeping this deep secret from. I know that you just couldn't wait to tell everybody that this person, you've never met a person, sold a book. Um, and in case you were, you could tell people it's official and I'm deep inside it. I'm I hesitate to say this, but I'm really liking the first drafting of it. It's I'm having some flow states where I look down and I'm writing and I look up and 90 minutes has passed and I very rarely feel that. It is the goal, I think, of writing to feel that or of any creative endeavor to feel that flow. And I don't feel it much. When I was a runner, which I am not now, but I ran a couple marathons, two to be exact, but when I say a couple, it sounds like more, doesn't it? I ran two marathons and I would get the runner's high right around mile 13, 13 or 14. It's when the endorphins are just flooding your body and it is an actual high, which feels good. And to me, flow state is kind of that feeling. It doesn't feel euphoric when you're in it. In fact, you don't feel anything when you're in flow state. That's the whole point. Your body kind of abandons you and you're inside the project. But afterwards, I feel this euphoria that I like. Um, plus, you know that I'm sober, so I get my euphoria where I can get it, which is uh, mostly sugar and sometimes caffeine. Um, speaking of that, I'm getting a large tattoo. It is uh, across my back and down my arm, and it is a wisteria tattoo. When I go to Venice in the spring, I have often been there right before the wisteria blooms, so you see all these dead branches, just dead vines hanging everywhere. And then literally overnight, this has happened the last three times I've been there. I've been when they bloom overnight, you walk outside and the smell of the wisteria is everywhere. These dead sticks that you were looking at yesterday, because you were wondering if this was going to happen, 
have bloomed with these purple and pink flowers and they're everywhere. And for me, that's really symbolic. I have been sober 21 months now, almost two years, God willing. And I feel like that's what I've been doing. I've been going from dead wood into blooming. So the wood is dead across my back and then it's kind of tumbling down my shoulder all the way and bursting into bloom as it goes. That is the tattoo I'm getting. The reason I mention it is that you do get serious euphoria from a tattoo when it is that big. I've never had (laughs) such a big piece done. And in fact, my tattoo artist, she has a lot of little tattoos. And I said, do you have any big pieces? And she's like, oh no, they hurt too much. I would never do that. And I was laughing. Yes, they do. But I got a good dose of euphoria. So on the euphoria train, I am looking forward in chasing flow. And in this new book, I have found some of it that often goes away. Usually I hit my hardest part. Usually during the first draft at around 60% is when I really crash and burn. So do remind me soon when I hit that, um, because I'll be feeling terrible. A lot of people are wrapping it up in NaNoWriMo. I'm not doing a complete book in November because it just didn't work out, but I am getting the words for NaNoWriMo. So I'm trying to remember to update my page in NaNoWriMo. If you are still struggling and flailing and throwing yourself at that finish line, keep it going. It's just 1,667 words a day, or it's just like 7,000 words a day if you're really far behind, but you can do it. Try dictation. That's my pro tip for you. Uh, everything else is great. I really want to get into this episode with Marianne because it is so good. And, um, just a couple updates in Patreon, Stacy Fraser and Amy Tassacata upped their Patreon pledges to the $5 mark, which means that they get to ask me questions for the mini podcast. And Stacy had a really great one this week about writing for NaNoWriMo. So if you missed that, go ahead and listen to it. And thank you for listening. Thanks for being here for this journey. I hope that I am part of your writing journey. That is really the thing that makes me honest to God, the happiest. And when you reach out and tell me that, whoo, you can turn a bad day into a glorious one. I just got an incredible email this morning from someone who had written a book because she had found my show. And that's not why she wrote the book. That's what she said. But um, my friend who wrote me the email, you did not write that book because of me. You wrote it because of you. It's 100% yours. But if I was any kind of inspiration or help along the way, if I could remind you just once that yes, we're writing terrible first drafts just to get them out of our systems and then we can fix them, then I am grateful. So with that, onward, Happy writing to you, and please enjoy this incredible interview with the awesome Marianne Power. Do you wonder why you're not getting your creative work done? Do you make a plan to write and then fail to follow through again? Well, my sweet friend, maybe you'd get a lot out of my Patreon. Each month, I write an essay on living your creative life as a creative person, which is way different than living as a person who binges Netflix 20 hours a week, and I have lived both of those ways, so I know. You can get each essay and access to the whole back catalog of them for just a dollar a month, which is an amount that really, truly helps support me at this here writing desk. If you pledge at the $3 level, you'll get motivating texts from me that you can respond to. And if you pledge at the $5 a month level, you get to ask me questions about your creative life that I'll answer in the mini episodes. So basically, I'm your mini coach. 
go to patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, to get these perks and more. And thank you so much. Well, I could not be more pleased today to welcome Marianne Power to the show. Hello, Marianne. Hello. I'm having a very big fangirl moment, so I'm going to jump into <laughs> your introduction, and then we're going to chat. We yeah, started, me we, out. Very much. Oh, absolutely. We started to chat, and I was like, no, no, we got to get this on air. Um, Marianne Power is a writer and journalist who lives in London. Her first book, Help Me, How Self-Help Did Not Change My Life, is about a year-long quest to change her life by following the rules of a different self-help book each month for a year, It is be- it's, and it's being published in more than 29 countries and is being optioned for a television series. And Marianne, this was one of those strange books. I have books, you know, I have probably literally hundreds of books that I want to read. And when I went to the library to pick up a book, your book was sitting there on the new release shelf. I think I was the first person to get it. And it was one of those impulse grabs, which then you'll uh, be happy to know that I bought because I needed to own it. Um, (laughs) You're welcome. But it was as if you had written it for me. And I bet you hear this from women all over the globe. But um, I am passionate about what I call, I'm not sure if other people call it, but a stunt memoir. Um, are you, do you use that term for this? No, but it would be, I mean, it's an accurate description in lots of ways. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not I've heard of it, I think. Yeah. So AJ Jacobs and Eve Schaub and um, even, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert, you do yeah. a thing. You do a thing for a year or a certain amount of time and then you write about it. And if one is written, I will read it. With the added incredible perks that you're talking about, self-help books, which I have the same passion, <laughs> passionate, irreverent hatred yeah. love of that you yeah. do, plus... You're about my age and and about my level of irreverence again and humor that I just fell into this book and I could not get up. And I have so much to read. I'm always jumping in and out of books. It's it's a real problem. But yours, I just sat down and read from beginning to end. And I loved it. So thank you so much. And my first question is not actually on our list, but um, the title is uh, Help Me How Self-Help Did Not Change My Life, which is an accurate title for this book. But... How how did that year really change your life? It's I that was the title that the publisher came up with, and in some ways it's true that I didn't become a gazillionaire. George Clooney didn't arrive, you know, because I think when I started this project, I had this vision that I was just flawed on so many different levels, and if I just tried hard enough, I could become one of these people that wakes up at five in the morning and drinks green smoothies and meditates before going and starting some fabulous company. I don't know, you know, this sort of image, this like Instagram image of what I thought life should be. I don't know. So none of that happened. So in that way, it didn't change my life. I'm the same person that I always was picking my spots and and worrying but then in other ways a lot has also changed and I learned a lot through the process um so yeah there's kind of it's it's, some days I feel like nothing changed very much and in other days I can see that my life is actually quite different um yeah I am so passionate about memoir it is what it's 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 my favorite thing to write I teach it and you do this incredible thing that I'm always telling students, and it's one of the hardest things to do. You look at areas of your life that hold shame, and you dive right into them. I know. <laughs> yeah. Did you, was that, was that, does does journalism play a part in that? Was it easy for you to do, or was this something that you went deeper and deeper into in revision? I'm really curious. The 
in my journalism before, I had accidentally started to get more into personal references. You know, so I would do the kind of articles where they would send me to report on the biggest Mexican ginger wave in Holland. And so as well as reporting on what it's like to be a redhead surrounded by 7,000 redheads in a random town hall in Holland, I would then start thinking about my feelings about being a redhead, which in England quite often isn't considered very attractive. You can get teased when you're younger. So bit by bit, personal honesty started to come into my articles. But no, I never expected this book to be to be as as deep and open and honest as it turned out. But the book came from a blog and I started blogging about my experiences. And I suppose initially I did just think it would be this hopefully interesting, helpful story of me doing all these things and, you know, that people would follow as I got better and better as the year progressed. I thought it would be this upward trajectory. I had no clue, honestly no clue on a psychological level what I was getting into. But it became clear that, like, I didn't, because people were responding to the blog so earnestly, it just became clear you're either doing this honestly now or you're not. Mm. It doesn't, I would have felt like I was cheating readers and cheating myself to not actually just lay it all out there. Um, and so that, it surprised me a, a lot, really. Sometimes when I was reading the audiobook, recording the audiobook, and to read some of the passages out loud, I was like, oh, God. Did I really think that? And it was quite painful, actually. Because the other thing is that when people ask about your, you know, it's honest and brave, sometimes it doesn't feel that brave to type into a keyboard. Because for me, writing is a way of helping me realize what I feel about things. You know, and I start typing and the feelings come out and I go, wow, I didn't know I felt that way. And then actually, in a way, I, I forget that then <laughs> that's going to be read by my uncles and my, you know, colleagues and um so yes yeah, sometimes I look at the book and I, I am a bit taken aback by it's like oh my god did I admit that but I did <laughs> and then the amazing thing of course is that nobody has has laughed at me for, you know I, nobody has gone you weirdo or how could you think that or invariably it's been me too me too me too so you know when we admit the most shameful things about ourselves nine times out of 10, you are not the only one who's thought that. And yeah. just yeah. like your response at the beginning, I have had that from people in Korea, Taiwan, girls that look like supermodels in Paris saying it's like reading about myself. And I'm thinking, really? So none of us are that different. We're different in some ways. And in other ways, there's the stuff that we keep so shamefully hidden is quite normal a lot a lot of the time, it seems. And I, I worship at the church of um, Brene Brown and yeah. her whole thing about, you know, sh yeah. when shame is met with empathy, shame disappears. Do you feel some of that with being met with all this empathy? It's, 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 I got a shiver when you asked that question. Yeah, it's, it's been extraordinary. And I consider myself really lucky because I was braced for a lot of criticism. I thought the criticism would come that about the self-indulgence of a woman who already on paper had a really good life trying, you know, going about trying to fix myself. You know, I was aware this is a very privileged quest and I was bracing myself for a lot of attacks on that and absolutely some comments have been made about that and that's fine. But 99% of it has been huge, huge heart open empathy. And then the beautiful part then is that people feel very able to tell me their 
real nitty gritty stuff. You know, it's, it's been a good end of small talk for me because anyone who's read the book will go straight into, you know, the reality of what's happening. And that's lovely. Oh, that's gorgeous. It is. It really is. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so you were blogging this. Let's go into process because that's what I yeah. love to talk yeah, yeah. about. Yeah. Um, were you blogging it under your real name as a journalist? Yeah. So um, that was that was brave in, uh, at the very yeah. beginning. It wasn't as a journalist. It was an independent project. And yes, at the beginning, I was really mindful of what would my newspaper and magazine colleagues think of this, because especially as I started to admit more and more to my insecurities. And I, I think it's probably slightly less in the, in the US, but in the UK, there really is quite a sneery attitude to self-help books. Oh, yeah, you know, we have that. thousands, it's still like one of the biggest growing sections of publishing, but on in the public, people would not admit to reading them. So even the project in itself... I was I was a bit embarrassed about, but really quickly colleagues and friends were just responding to it. And the interesting thing about the blog was it was the first time that I had written for myself and not for a newspaper or for a magazine. So over time, I can start to see the um, posts kind of softened a bit and opened up into something that was a little bit more my true voice rather than something that was packaged in a certain way, which is the sort of formula of the kind of articles that I'd written. Mm-hmm. Um, so it allowed me to to find something that's a much truer sort of representation of, of my voice. So the blog was a joy and I'd never done it before. And I'd recommend it to anyone just for that practice of getting the flow going um, and the discipline of doing it. I say discipline. I didn't. I didn't post every day, but I post probably about three or four times a week. And the discipline of then just paying attention to your life and paying attention to, obviously in this case, the specific challenges that I had. But it made me very alert to life because everything was potentially material. And Seth Godin. I don't know if you know Seth Godin. Yes. Who, uh, so he talks that he says that that's one of his bits of advice that absolutely every human should start a blog, even if it's completely anonymous. But just for the discipline of the way it makes you engage in the world and pay attention, because every day you're thinking, OK, what do I think about something today? You, it, It's lovely. It's such a good process. And I, I miss it. I'm in the process of um, reading the blog at the moment, but I miss it, that that connection and that expression. Um, and then, the yeah, the responses from people is, is wonderful. That's actually how I got started with creative nonfiction was I got a blog back in the days when we didn't know what they were. I did. I barely knew what it was. It was 2002. And that was my first. Yeah. So that long ago there were, um, and I was a knitting blog and there were about a hundred knit bloggers in the entire world and we all knew each other and we were all writing every day, but I stopped writing about knitting and just started writing about my life on a really regular basis. And there was no Facebook, there was no other place to like share these kind of things. So I got this community of readers and it trained me in much the way you're saying that the more honest I became in the blog, the more people reacted to me. I wrote wrote about debt and alcohol and all of these things, you know, that that I was so scared when I would push play when I push live oh on I it. know I know that feeling where you just go oh god I can't do it exactly <laughs> but the thing is you know Seth I I keep making this resolution to blog every day the way Seth Godin does and I haven't <laughs> blogged in like two months and I miss it because I'm so busy with all the other you know with all your other writing projects that yeah. it's something that goes on the back burner but I do believe it's something that brings me so much joy and yeah it would be a great experiment for someone. Just if you're listening to this and you've never tried it, try it for 90 days and see. Really? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do it under a false name. Do it under an anonymous. If you feel like it, you can always change it later. 
quotes like Seth Godin's posts are all a paragraph. Yeah. You know, keep the bar so low, just the discipline every day. What did I notice today? What have I been thinking about today? And it's amazing once you start those first few sentences with very low pressure, what then comes out, because that was also the joy of the blog. Because I was so absorbed in the actual tasks, I didn't give the writing, the actual writing very much thought. In Good. retrospect, I can back and see that it blossomed, but I wasn't thinking about it. I was just communicating what I'd done and what I was thinking. And so that was lovely because I wasn't crippled by self-consciousness or this idea of writing because a blog is such an informal kind of medium how, it's, it's pressure how much did it change from blog to book how much revision was there how much massaging and and connect you know kind of the, the the connectivity tissue what did what did you do with that there was loads so this I had this so the blog I think in the end the, the project I thought it would be 12 neat months on this road to perfection it ended up being 15 months of real chaos at points um that's the actual that was the actual journey my mum begs me not to use the word journey but the actual journey of the experiment <laughs> and um then I thought because I was a journalist and because I thought I, the blog was all the notes really that I needed, I then went off to my friend's cottage in Ireland and thought I could bash out a book in two months. <laughs> and me, and me, I couldn't yeah. because it, I mean, I, I did create a version of a book in two months, but it wasn't a book. It was like a series of essays that were not linked. Mm. I fear about using, referring to the real people in my life in the book because this and this is a real this is a real thing a point for discussion with anyone writing about their real life I had chosen to write about my real life my friends and family had not chosen to be part of a book and so the first attempt of the book was no mention really of any friends and family that couldn't sustain a story no, and they're so they're so crucial to your book so then there were conversations and everyone gave their permission and with the friends I kind of amalgamated characters and changed names but no, there was a lot of revisions. Really, I didn't know how to build a book. So the first draft was terrible. My agent sent me a very polite email saying, this is a great start, followed by 10 pages of all the notes that, you know, didn't work about it. Ow. Um, and then also, much to my shame, I hadn't read enough good books. I read journalism constantly. I knew the shape of an article inside out. So when it comes to writing something between a thousand and two and a half thousand words, I have an instinctive sense of how to do that. I also read a lot of self-help books. What I didn't read were enough, you know, well-written stories. And so that's what I started doing. I started reading books again. I replaced self-help books with books written about how to write books and just had to teach myself the structure. And this is a different way of writing because the details that I would leave out of an article are the gold in a book. The little tiny moments, the little tiny details, they're actually the the thing. And I'd never done dialogue before and I still cringe at how bad some of the you know, some of the dialogue is, but I'd never done any of that before. It's so it's wonderful. a huge learning. <laughs> thank you. No, thank you. I mean I will always see how everything could be better, but it was yeah, a big, big learning curve and I completely underestimated that an animal is uh, the book is a very different animal to an article. It's not a long article, which is what I thought it would be. I am just smiling so hard because the same thing happened to me. And listeners may have heard me say this, but I sold my first book, and I'd accidentally written a book with good structure because I what? had internalized it. Right? I don't know. It's and it happens sometimes. So I had this beautiful like 
not, it wasn't beautiful, but it was my first book. God, I would never read it now. Um, but I sold three books. So I had another book due six months later and I turned in just a hot mess. And my editor said that she really didn't know if I could fix it. It was, I, I did not know. I had a master's in writing and I did not know. I didn't know story structure to pull yeah. it apart. I'd only done it accidentally right once. And I had to literally oh. start to Google story structure. I yeah. didn't understand it, which is why I'm so passionate about teaching it now. And it, it just hurts when we, when we have that realization that as professional writers, we still, what, what the hell? Yeah. yeah. I read a fantastic book. I'm just looking at it on the bookshelf now called Into the Woods. Do you know that one by, um, John York, who's, I don't. he's a British TV writer. He wrote a huge soap here. Into the Woods is stories and why we tell them, but he breaks down. It's a very good combination of, kind of the um you know the hero's journey and all mm -hmm. these archetypes yes. but then with some very practical examples of some of the favorite stories that we know it's, it it was so helpful and why we need to see characters do certain things and actually the reality was that my journey my blog did actually have all of that arc i just didn't know how to draw it out i wasn't so anyway it was but i i get a thrill now out of seeing how stories are put together and the the shape of them and it's a skill and then I suppose the more you understand those building blocks the more you can play with them and move away from them if you want to but I for me I needed to know okay this is how most of these stories um work and you can see why and then play with that that's Amazing. I love hearing you say this. I'm going to, I'm going, I might play this for my class that I'm teaching right now at Stanford. So you'll be played at Stanford. Oh, congrats. No, but it really, it helps and it helps. And I was very lucky that so the first draft was terrible. My agent sent me this charming, very long message about all the things that needed work. I did a second draft that I thought was much better. And I still don't think it was good, but I thought it was better. And I sent it to my friend who's a screenwriter thinking actually that he was going to say, wow, this is great. <laughs> He didn't. Um, oh, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah, his response was, "You can do better than this," and I was, and I cried for two days. <sighs> but how, how good of him to say I, that? It was a gift. It was an absolute gift, and he spent hours with me on Skype after that because, as a, a screenwriter, he knows story structure inside out, and he was the one who started telling me the books to read and. And because he'd known my real experiences, he was like, "Why haven't you put that moment in?" and and I was like, oh, I didn't think that was interesting. And he said, Marianne, that's the story. And we joked that the book was so bad that I may as well just give people my phone number and tell them to call me. And I would tell them the good bits because I wasn't including them in the book. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, learning. And I think I'm between various editors, you know, the international editors had slightly different takes. So, I mean, the book that's written now is probably about the sixth draft. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of writes and rewrites and a lot of learning and taking in and put and taking out, putting back in and um, and cutting because it had got very long. I bet it uh, did. Um, so I, I think it, almost a fifth had to be cut. Um, How long is the, the book word wise? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't. I can't remember. Um, about 350 pages. So yeah, so. It's from the longer end. So it's, it was. Yeah, I think at some point it was about 135,000 words. So a lot had to be. Um, and it's wow. better for us because I wanted to keep the pace because even if the extra words are good words, we lose patience. Like I know that my concentration span is the shortest it's ever been. And so there's a lot to be said for cutting out, well, even if you're cutting out things that you think are good. 
It works. I, I, my attention span is shot and I, that's why I jump, jump in and out of books. So it worked and it glued me to the page. Um, I, I, we're going to skip some of these questions because this is so much more interesting, but I would love to know if you could share a craft tip of any type with us. I actually got embarrassed when you sent these questions because I have this, you know, imposter thing of I've written one book. I feel like it was such a fluke that it. <laughs> that oh, it no. No, no, that sounds like false modesty and it isn't. Like I work really hard at it, but a bit of me gets embarrassed being asked questions about writing because I don't feel like I. What's, you know, a, what's a journalistic craft tip then that you could share uh, with us? I don't know the ins and outs of, a, of an article. I can, bar- yeah. I can barely pull it off. Well, actually, so having said that what you leave in an article and what you leave out of a, um, what you put in an article is what you leave out of a book and vice versa. The, the more I write, the more I realize that it's the tiny little everyday moments that are golden. Um, so like one of the, like just one of the favorite scenes that I have in the book was just a conversation I had with two homeless guys at the bus shelter. And the conversation probably lasted four minutes. But it had a significant. So for me, it's the discipline that I'm not I'm not as good at as I'd like. But the discipline that I think would save all of it is just paying attention to life and writing notes, writing a diary, writing notes in your phone of of everything. The color of the wallpaper, the you know, what he was wearing, what you were wearing, what you ordered at the cafe and little tiny things that because when your life is happening you think it's quite boring but if you ever you know if I ever look back on old diaries from three four years ago I'm quite fascinated by what was going on um and in journalism too now I'm taking what I learned from the book and putting that more into my articles the little tiny details that I would have left out before and lots of them will get edited out but there'll be a few that stay and somehow they sort of ping with truth and aliveness and that sort of present moment um so craft-wise, take notes of everything that's happening all the time. Capture your thoughts. You always think you're going to remember things, and you don't. I don't remember things. Um, so I have notes on my iPhone. I have journals. I have, you know, just notes, places, repositories everywhere. Um, yeah. Do, do you think you did yourself a favor by, by well, probably in many, many ways, but by doing the blog, because then you had exterior accountability. I can imagine that this could have been something that you started and seven uh-huh. months in when it got, when it got rough, you just stopped writing that 100%. private book. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. The blog, that was the main, because the idea was, I always wanted it to be a book. The blog was the way of making me do it mm. and be accountable because exactly there would have been a million points where I thought, no, this is a mess. I've stopped. I'm stopping. But because it had that public accountability, people were interested quite quickly I had to show up. I had to, and if I said I was going to perform stand-up comedy on Sunday, I knew there would be messages on Monday. So, you know, there was no bit of me wanting to do stand-up comedy. If I had any, any option, I would have, you know, maybe had a minor accident or something just to get out of doing it. Yeah. But I couldn't because that pride kicks in when you know that you've got people waiting for something. Um, yeah, it was a very, it was a, it was a very good method that one. Oh. And now so many people in 29 countries know your story. And I think that is beautiful. I really, really do. Um, what is the best book that you've read recently? And why did you love it? I like to increase my list of books that I'm currently not reading. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so who I've, I've just finished rereading um, Writing Down the Bones by oh, Natalie Goldberg. So good. And I read that while I was writing the book. And it's a joy and I reread it because I'm now trying to get going on the second one and just you know trying to get myself and it's an absolutely 
beautiful human book about writing and it really opens the door to just everything is material. So she's the one who then puts the focus on the tiny, tiny moments that she says writing is almost a meditation. It's like your way of really paying attention to your life and honoring it in a way. Mm. Um, and it's just so un, un um, disciplinarian. She's like, you know, try this writing exercise, but if you don't want to do it, that's okay. Don't do it, but maybe try it. You know, she's so lovely. And, um, so I loved I, that was that really helped me get back in into the swing a bit more the last few weeks. And I'm also reading a book called Wild, which is not the Cheryl Strayed one. It's um oh I think her name is Jay Griffiths, and it's it came out about 15 years ago. And it's a book. She was a British journalist, and she travelled all around the world, the um the outback in Australia and the Antarctic and rainforests in search of the wild. And it's about her experience in nature and she breaks it up into different elements so there's air and ice and water and Mm. fire and she talks to lots of um indigenous communities and the writing is magnificent like just the way she describes even being under the sea and the life under the ocean it's it's extraordinary it's like poetry but not pretentious you know it's very easy to read but it's extraordinary writing but also i think at the moment with the environmental issues being so live and pressing this book it's just a reminder of how beautiful the world is how amazing the world is and so uh, this kind of an education a little bit in me and in the the planet and the beauty of it um so yeah they're, they're the two they're the two wild is on the go it's quite a big book i think it's about 500 pages so i'm um yeah getting through that at the moment and it's fantastic I'm going to reread the Natalie Goldberg because I haven't read that in oh. 20 years. I know it's on my shelf somewhere. It's um, joy. It's oh. so unintimidating and warm and friendly and I it would make her. almost anyone want to write just for the joy of it. And I'm going to add Wild to the list. I remember reading about that book because when you said it, I thought, well, who would be cheeky enough to name their book Wild now? And it was before. <laughs> and I remember reading about her in a, in a sideways article to the Cheryl Strayed. And she was saying, I'm getting so many sales. Because people are buying the wrong book when Wild came out and everybody started talking about it. And she, and it was, I think it was in the New York Times or something. And she said, it's terrible. And yet I'm take, I'm taking the money. <laughs> so I'm glad to hear that they bought a good book. <laughs> she really went for it though. She had seven years traveling the world, funding it herself. Oh, she goodness. went broke. You know, she really, it's the most amazing book. It really is. Yeah, I would recommend it to everyone. I love your recommendations. I adore you. I think you are <laughs> charmer. Really amazing. You are the charmer. Um, where would where can we find you? Where where what's your website? And tell us again the name of the book and where that can be found. Well, help me um, is the book, and I think actually it's got a different it's got a different um, subheader in America and Canada. Each country seems to have changed the cover and the changed. Co- I've the seen so many covers. Yeah, so covers. It's fascinating. Yeah. The, the, the Dutch and German cover is a, is a picture of a woman with a lampshade over her head. And my friends saw it and they said, that's so you. I was like, how is that me? When have I ever had a lampshade on my head? <laughs> you um, figure it a lampshade. But the basic title is Help Me and by Marianne Power. And I think, you know, you can get it on Amazon and all good bookshops around the world, it seems like, extraordinarily. Um, and... The website is under construction, but yeah, if you Google my name, help me, um, or Marianne Power Writer, I come up on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all those things. 
thank you for giving me some of your time. And oh, I yeah. really, really appreciate talking to you. And this has been just a joy. Lovely. So, like and best of luck with your next book. I cannot wait to read it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can use your motivation. Please keep me on track. Anytime. Thank yeah, you, Marianne. Thank you. Have a wonderful Lovely. evening. Bye. Bye. You too. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.